Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, go ahead and roll for perception. I got a 13. Hey, that's pretty good. With that, you can tell there's some fantasy situations going on. You hear some adult language. And with that, you can tell this podcast probably isn't for kids. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from amorphous amphibians to asinine arithmetic. And today we're talking about... Asmodeus. All right, Brian. We're finally here. We made it. This is a big one. We're here, baby. Yeah. So Asmodeus is probably my favorite evil deity, period. He might be my favorite deity just because he's fucking scary and <laughs> really compelling. He's very interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, so let's talk about him. Let's do. So Asmodeus is the supreme ruler of the Nine Hells. Uh, his rule is undisputed. Uh, he commands fear, respect, and obedience for all who dwell in Beator. Uh, even gods, uh, namely Tiamat, although there are some others that are that dwell in Beator, have to give Asmodeus' due. Right. Basically, he's a total badass. Yeah. <laughs> Pay up to Asmo. Um, his origins are told, but not with any like level of certainty. They're more presented as myths, and a lot of these myths contradict each other. Um, but together they kind of give you a picture of the person. <laughs> it's like um, uh, Lando and Sol- the Solo movie. He's like, everything you've heard about me is true. Exactly. Yeah. It's very much <laughs> like that. So some claim he's a fallen angel or celestial. Some say he's an ancient force of like lawful evil incarnate. Some say he made Beator. Others say that it was given to him by the gods. Um, some even say that he's not the original Supreme Ruler of the Nine Hells, but he is a usurper. Um, but none of it's really spelled out in certainty, except for in fourth edition, where everything is spelled out in certainty, and it's drastically different in a lot of ways from like every other edition's lore. And we'll get into it. So, what do they say about Asmo and Fori? That's certain. We will get. Oh, into we are going to. There's talk a about lot it. Okay. to talk about, but on on the on these things, all the counts agree. 
Asmodeus is the most powerful and ancient infernal being. Cool. He is insidious and cunning beyond comprehension. His machinations work on a grand scale of like centuries and millennia rather than, you know, like years. Uh, he is the only Archduke to rise unscathed from the Reckoning of Hell, which was a big rebellion event. Um, unscathed. Unscathed completely. Um, though he was once only an Archfiend, he is now a deity, and how big of a deity and how he became a deity really depends on setting an addition. We'll get into that later. Um, he's a master strategist. He's a master orator. He, um, it said he once walked into Mount Celestia, which is the seven heavens, like basically the antithesis of Beator. He walked in with nothing but his wits and uh, emerged unscathed from there as well. Uh, his capability and competence. I, I think competence is a real key word here. I know that's kind of strange, but he's just so goddamn competent at <laughs> fucking everything he does. For sure. His competence and capability are astounding and are matched only by his chilling arrogance. Oh my God. So that reminds me of like when, uh, I think we've talked about this before, people rising above their competency level and like getting promoted yeah. to positions they probably shouldn't be right, in. Right, right. They were just so good at the last thing they were doing. Exactly, yeah. That, that, that happens not, a lot. That, that is, is not, not this guy. They're promoting from no, within no, 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 no. and they would have kept... <laughs> They would keep promoting him if it now wasn't up to him to promote everybody. Exactly. That's very much true. <laughs> nice. So, okay. So his goal, his overall deal is he wishes to rule the cosmos. Now, he believes that his rule over existence would be a utopia. Basically pristine and perfect. Everything and every being in its place. Would dress in With black. a purpose. Oh. Um, maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he is convinced that it has to be him that rules. Okay. He sees all his rivals as too inferior uh, and that the demons would literally just consume everything. Uh, he feels like the forces of good are too foolish, weak, and sentimental to do the things that must be done. Nice. And that only he has the strength, charisma, and insight to achieve this ideal future. Thanos. No. Dr. fucking Doom. Oh, yeah. This I know you're right. Dr. Doom on crack. Yeah. And, uh, I don't mean any Dr. Doom iteration that's been on the screen. I'm talking about no, comics, comic Dr. book Dr. Doom. Doom. This is House of M, him. Dr. Doom. Uh, no, House of M is Magneto. No, yeah, but isn't Dr. Doom in House of M? Uh, I don't know, but Dr. Doom's in the, He's like in the Children's Crusade after House of M. Right. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking yeah. about. But in Dr. Doom, basically, Marvel Comics time, Dr. Doom's deal is kind of very similar. He, I think he had a dream at one point where like the world was going to end unless Doom rules everything. <laughs> and like Doom has many times in Marvel Comics basically attained the powers of a god mm -hmm. and he immediately becomes like this benevolent dictator. Right. Like, Don't worry, Doom's going to take care of everything. Yeah. Everything's going to be perfect. But he's all like super do, evil all the all, way till he yeah, gets there. All you have to do is kneel. Just praise me as a god and all will be well. That's Dr. Doom for you. <laughs> Doesn't he defeat himself usually? All the time. Yeah. All the time. Also, Great. Dr. Doom is hyper charismatic, super competent at everything he does. He's like a hyper genius. He's the second best sorcerer on the planet and he mm -hmm. time travels. Like, anyways. That Benedict Cumberbatch is the first uh, strongest sorcerer on the planet. Apparently. So. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about Marvel Comics. Let's get back to Asmodeus. Okay. So Asmodeus uh, is usually depicted as a 13-foot-tall humanoid with lustrous skin, black hair, crimson eyes, uh, and a head crowned with, like, two pairs of sharp horns, like... Uh, a pair kind of curving, let me see, this way, and then a pair curving backwards. Like so that. one one kind of like forward, kind of like mandibles almost, and then the back one is like, you know, more standard kind of curvy horns. Exactly. Okay. He's noted to be incredibly handsome. Ooh. Uh, he wears red and black robes studded with black diamonds and rubies. Um, it's said that one of his garments is so 
ostentatious and expensive that it would cost the equivalent amount of a nation's entire um, cost of food. Ooh, shit. Yeah. Could um, Asmodeus look so good that not even Asmodeus <laughs> could look at him? I, I, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, always with him, he carries his legendary ruby rod. It's the ruby rod of Asmodeus. Um, this is both his badge of office and it contains phenomenal cosmic power. How he gets it? <laughs> Changes from edition to edition, and we'll talk about the ruby rod later. The goal in your campaign is to not be touched by the ruby rod. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. First, you don't want to know where it's been because I heard he doesn't wash it. No, but uh, secondly, no, he polishes the shit out of it. Yeah, Paul, you know, okay. Anyways, <laughs> um, underneath his robes, he hides grievous wounds that he supposed. Um, supposedly sustained from his fall from heaven. These wounds are constantly oozing blood on the daily, and each drop of blood becomes a powerful pit fiend or other devil fanatically devoted to Asmodeus. Sweet. So he's just so powerful, he's oozing power. I'm just like I'm bleeding out, but not bleeding out, and also I'm making soldiers that obey me endlessly. So let's... Also, can you imagine, like, a fucking... Just any creature, like, just walking and leaving a trail of blood, and, like, shit starts erupting (laughs) up out of it? fucking scary. That's really bad. So let's uh, let's talk about some origins. Let's talk about some myths. I'm going to tell you a few stories here. First, let me drink some water. Yeah, you cut, you cut this. You cut this guy in combat. He's the blood's gonna fall on the ground, and like now you have to fight a bunch of pit fiends. Great, That's true. I don't know how profusely it's bleeding. Yeah, I imagine like, like how... a single drop a day is what I'm. Yeah, probably. So a powerful. When you say powerful pit fiend, do you mean like a Balrog or like something like? Or a, pit, a pit fiend a pit is a fiend thing. Is right? a thing. It's okay, like yeah. one of the highest levels of. Devils. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay, I remember. Yeah. I, I sometimes I wonder is like, does this ever happen at a really inopportune time? Like he's like eating dinner and then like a drop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Asmodeus, I serve you. It's like, oh, God damn it. Yeah, I'm just busy. go. Just go. I'm busy. A report to so and so. You see what I'm doing? I'm busy. Get out of here. <laughs> or he's having like a meeting. <laughs> He's with like, the other arch guys like oh sorry sorry sorry, sorry. <laughs> I I see Asmodeus is so cold just and like cruel. crushes him real just, quick like, he just flat. kills him real fast yeah exactly <laughs> moving on so anyways let's get to uh, some origin myths so origin myth number one and <laughs> this we're gonna talk about things the that may be true things that might be true probably um, so according to one myth Asmodeus uh, was originally an angelic servant of the deities of law and good. Uh, he was the bravest, fiercest, and most beautiful of all the servants, and he kind of led them. Him and the other angels were basically created to wage war and eradicate the demons. After eons of fighting demons, Asmodeus and his other servants began to change both physically and psychologically. They grew more similar in appearance uh, and in their like behavior to the demons that they fought. Basically, these angels were becoming devils. Okay. At this point, there weren't names for these things. Okay. Uh, But this transformation really upset the deities who, uh, at this point, tried to cast out Asmodeus as like a monster. But Asmodeus argues correctly that him and his servants have broken no laws and were completely innocent. Just because they did things in a way that the good gods didn't like didn't mean that they had broken any rules. Right. Okay. So. Just didn't look good. It just didn't look good. Wasn't good luck. Um, so the gods are like, fine, whatever, and then go on to do their thing. They make the material plane and its various peoples. And because the abyss and demons haven't been taken care of yet, they like seal the prime material plane off from the other planes in ways that like demons can't get to it. Right. Basically, 
uh, protect it from the negative realms. Yeah, if you will. Uh, like portal walls and shit, I yeah. guess. But to the horror and confusion of the gods, people in general kind of suck. And despite the gods' instructions to not do bad things and not like open portals to the abyss and explore too far into the nether realms, people did it anyway. <laughs> yeah, and Bah- Bahamut's like, I told him no. I, I, <laughs> pretty much. What, like, why won't they listen? What else do I need to do? So, you know, you know it's like wizards seeking power accidentally opening opening doors to the abyss and then demons start pouring out and then it's a whole fucking mess. Yeah, it's usually one of my more favorite things that happens right. in a campaign. So, Asmodeus suggests at this point that the mortals need to be threatened or disincentivized in order to be obedient. Right. Excuse me. Just probably a fair take on it. Yeah, to a certain degree. So... He convinces the gods to sign a pact called the Pact Primeval. This contract grants him and the devils of the plane of Beator the power to punish the souls of the wicked and to use them to both fuel their powers and to turn them into soldiers against demons. Gods are like, okay, that sounds fair. So all seems well and good to the gods until they notice an enormous decrease in the amount of souls coming to the upper positive planes. Um, so they... they come and check out Beator and it's they're horrified by like the endless hellscape of suffering it's become <laughs> um furthermore they're furious at Asmo for actively tempting and luring mortals to evil for soul claiming so they call him back to the upper planes they for a trial they accuse him of overstepping the contract to which he replies with some of his most famous words of read the fine print like it's all in the contract <laughs> yeah, right y'all motherfucker signed it yeah so <laughs> they're like haven't checked on you in a while asmo what's going on no <laughs> it's at this point that he's hurled from the heavens and back into beator and nice. he sustains his grievous wounds okay so he yeah. got like dashed on rocks on the way down or whatever yeah. uh it doesn't end here for like this ongoing feud between the upper planes and the and asmo mm-hmm. because later on at some point the angels of celestia um really bring about a lot of accusations against him of like terrible crimes and laws that he broke and this and that, like trying to really get him on technicalities. And so outraged by their accusations, Asmodeus demands the right to answer all these charges. Okay. In person. Nice. So this leads to an event known as the trial of Asmodeus. Asmo's just like one of the best fucking lawyers. He like just represents himself. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly (laughs) what he does. Uh, uh, So both sides agree to have their case heard by a God named Primus. Primus, he's like, uh, He's the god of absolute law. He's completely neutral, Forgotten completely realms? lawful. I don't. I think so. I'm not sure. Probably. Yeah. That's a safe bet, it, right? Yeah, it's a safe bet. So, um, so a contract is drawn and everything. Everyone agrees to 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 everything, and they uh, they make their case before Primus. As Asmodeus uh, makes his case first, I believe, um, and he makes a case that neither he nor his minions broke any laws or broke any contract by tempting mortals. He also points out that. Um, the souls harvested go to defend the cosmos from the hordes of the abyss. So it all goes to a good cause. He also goes on to point <laughs> Damn, out. Okay. Yeah. He also That's goes a rough on, one, even and, with, if you spin it right. I know. Right. He also goes on to point out that he is beholden to the laws of Beator because it is a lawful plane of existence and compelled to maintain it lest they become no better than the demons that they're fighting. He goes, mortals that refuse devil offers are left alone. Mortals that are clever enough to turn contracts against devils are free from debt. And nice. yeah, only the people who sign the contracts are subjected to the torment of Beator. <laughs> so it makes a pretty solid nice. case for himself. But then it's the angels turns. So the angels start like just listing crimes. Oh, he did this. Oh, he did that. Oh, he did this. And it takes weeks and weeks. <laughs> as all these angels are making their case to the point where Primus loses his patience. And he's like, look. I'll let just a few more people speak and then I'm going to make my judgment. 
So enter Zariel, who we're going to talk a little bit about. Well, we talked a little bit about her in the Nine Hell. In Mordenkainen. No, Mordenkainen, uh, yes. Yeah, because she fell from heaven. She fell from heaven. She's an angel. But at this, po- and at this, at this point, point, point she still, is an angel. Right. And she's still good, technically. Because right. she hasn't fallen yet. Yeah. So she's so like she, watching the... Yeah, so she and her her dudes kind of freak out because like she's not going to get a chance to speak. So she like pushes her way to the front, demanding to be heard. This turns into a scuffle, which then turns into an all out freaking battle. No, and all the angels are battling each other, and Asmodeus is just standing there smiling because he just he just knew that they just couldn't (laughs) control themselves. Right. Primus gets pissed off, tells off the angels, you know, for not being able to control themselves. Decides that he's not making any judgments, and then he awards in this story. He gets the ruby rod because Primus awards him the ruby rod because the ruby rod will, um, like, what's the word? Compel him to be lawful. Okay. So you don't got to worry about him breaking the law, which he wasn't doing anyways because he's Asmodeus. Right. Super lawful. Yeah. So, and that's that's the tale of the trial of Asmodeus. That's cool. He wins yet again. It's a good story. So we're going to get more into Asmodeus. We're going to tell some more stories and we're going to get into more lore. But first, let's take a short rest. I like the rests. Okay. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Bantwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the part of the episode where we're not talking about that last thing anymore. We don't give a damn about it. It's probably going to cost me my soul, but I don't care, because I want to say thank you to you, the listener, for listening to this podcast. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we would be here without you, but it's a lot better that you're here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we really appreciate you guys coming on the show. Um, if you want to help us out, and we would appreciate it if you do, but if you just don't know how and you need some direction, here's the words you've been looking for. Look near by at a person that's around you and tell them about our show. 
or just like seek out someone to tell about the show. Tell basically tell somebody about the show and um hopefully they start listening to it. That's kind of how this that's kind of how this whole thing works. Mm-hmm. Word of mouth. It yeah. helps. Yeah, please we appreciate it. Yeah, please do. Um uh if you want to tell them where to find us, you can tell them about soundcloud.com slash the dungeon cast. You can tell them about YouTube. Uh find us there. Uh you can find us on Twitter at the Dungeon Cast. You can email us at the at gmail.com. Hit us up there for uh, story time or like um, critiques or whatever whatever it is you got to say. Um, or if you want to support us monetarily, you can do so at um, patreon.com slash the Dungeon Cast. And uh, yeah, find us on Podbean, Podcast Addict, lots of stuff. Lots of different stuff. Is there anything? Do we need to say anything? Um, I, no. Do we have plans for contests coming up again? Um, I'm running a poll right now, but by the time this episode airs, it'll be long done. But as of right now, fancy dice sets are super in the lead. So okay, likely we'll be announcing a contest very soon. And yeah, I we'll see, see like what the prizes. Yeah, be. we'll probably we're gonna run a contest soon. It'll probably be like some dice. It'll maybe a mini. Yeah, we'll we'll see. It's basically whatever you guys are voting on Twitter, mm-hmm. and then um, I guess we might as well just announce it now. When the adventure Dragon Heist comes out in September, we'll probably be running a a, a contest for that book. Around then. Dragon Heist. Hadn't even heard of it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, it looks cool. Well, thank you for telling me that. And thank you for the listen <laughs> to be to, for, thank thank the listener for listening. Thank you, listener, for listening. Thank you. Okay, bye. Back bye. to the show. Back to the show. And we're back. Asmodeus. 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 Okay, so that's the, the, we last were talking about like the trial of Asmodeus and how Primus came in the Ruby Rod and yada 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 and isn't Asmo so smart? Right. Basically, the moral of that story. So let's talk a little bit about four E lore because it's drastically different. Well, it is drastically different, but it's still very much the yeah, same everything, as Asmodeus. Yeah, everything is goes from like mythic to defined. Very much so. So in in four E, it's established that Asmodeus is. An angel, again, the highest, most powerful, beautiful angel, in service to a god who is so ancient, he's no one knows his name anymore. It doesn't matter because he's dead anyway. Super dead. But we'll dead. get into that. Okay. Basically, they were created for the same thing, to fight the demons in the abyss, yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, that, old, that old chestnut. Yeah, that old chestnut. So in the abyss episode, we'll talk about like the origins of the abyss in more detail. But in fourth edition, the origin of the abyss is this thing called the seed of evil. Okay. And it's like the heart well, of the I think abyss. We talked and about the abyss, that before. Yeah, and the abyss kind of grows from that, and it expands endlessly, right? Is it, that how very it much so. Okay. So basically, um, as Asmodeus and the angels are fighting the demons, they're kind of slowly turning under the influence of the evil of the abyss, and alongside the influence of Pazazu, who is a demon lord. Okay, we'll get his own episode. Uh, Asmodeus kind of gets pushed in the direction of trying to claim the heart of darkness or not heart of darkness but the seed of evil for himself okay he plunges himself deep into the abyss and he's the only being to ever successfully do this he reaches the seed of evil or the shard of evil i think it's actually called the shard of evil did he have to use a keyblade no okay (laughs) but he gets there he can't claim it all, but he breaks off a piece of it. Ooh, okay. And he claims it for himself. I like that. Transforming him into the Archfiend of Asmodeus. Nice. And he forges this shard of evil into his ruby rod. Ooh. Um, he then uses this to kill his former master. Hell and yeah. And become a god. He actually becomes a greater deity at this point. And then, basically, the entire blood war from then on is, isn't is about devil stopping demons. It's about Asmodeus getting to the shard of evil so he can claim the rest of it. 
And the demons are actually super pissed off because they want the shard of evil that he has back. Okay, yeah, and like totally. that's the premise of the Blood War in Fourth Edition. Oh wow, yeah. So it's like it's it's an ongoing war for like a much more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, well, not it's like capture the flag, trivial. Yeah, I like, guess you hey, could call that more trivial. Back. But also, like, if Asmo gets a hold of that shard of evil, it's all over, man. Yeah, they got to stop him from getting back in there and getting the rest of it. Yeah, pretty. So, much. if uh, like a devil stole a demon, it has like a demon thing going on. Is he like more than just a devil? Well, As- Asmo is Asmo, but is he like? Yeah. Did he become like? What? I don't know. What are you asking me? I don't know. I don't know what I'm asking you. <laughs> okay. Well, in fourth edition, Asmo, he's so powerful. He, you know, he's he's a greater deity that in order to um, kind of take the heat off the war on his end, he grabs the abyss as a whole and hurls it into the bottom of the elemental chaos. So far away from Beator. Nice. So now they now they can invade and demons have a hard time getting to Beator. Right. Okay. Drastically different lore, but there it is. So. In 5th edition lore, um, Asmodeus is also a god, but this comes about in a much, much different way. So during 4th edition, in Forgotten Realms, there was an event called the Spell Plague. Basically, goddess of magic dies, magic goes haywire, shit gets bad for everybody. Um, There's another god, his name is Azuth. I like Azuth a lot, he's really cool. He's the god, he's like a minor deity in service of the goddess of magic. And he is the God of like spell casting and wizards and whatnot. So he's kind of like, while she is like magic incarnate, he's like about the science of magic. Okay. And yeah. The learning totally. of magic. He's like the, the academic part of it all. He's got a chalkboard. There's formulas on right. it. Nice. Well, when the weave fucking whiplashes and, and magic uh, explodes, Azuth gets launched out of the heavens and falls to Nessus. Asmodeus sees him, finds him, Kills him, absorbs him. Oh, he's a god now. Now this Asmodeus gets retconned also Majin Buu. Right, he gets this gets retconned later. But when this happens, like he absorbs Azuth's divine spark and becomes wow. a god, and he he gets like the domain of knowledge and shit from from this. Later on, as you know, wizards try to distance themselves from Fourth Edition and from the spell plague and a bunch of other stuff. They had like the second sundering and a lot of other stuff happened. It gets revealed that he didn't actually absorb Azuth's spark. He just fused himself with Azuth and they had to share the same body. So he was using the divine spark as an energy source. And I guess the argument here is like he ate him. Huh? He ate him? He kind of ate him. He ate him. Yeah, but the like argu- King Kong. I guess so. The argument here is that he didn't want to be influenced by the spark itself because okay. I guess he would gain like the the domains of like magic and other stuff that he didn't really want. Yeah, I, I guess he didn't want it to affect his being. Yeah, don't sully my my me with exactly. your with your you. It's I just, just want to be more powerful. <laughs> Very much so. So basically I'm do it by just like But eventually he becomes unstable okay. because, you know, Azuth is a god. And um, he ends up making a deal with another god named uh, Elial, who basically in in exchange for bringing about some immortal being back to life that Elial, I guess, cares about a lot, um, Elial agrees to give up his spark. So Azuth reforms afterwards. Okay. He's He's himself again. He goes off to do his stuff. Yeah, he's like, wow, that sucked. Elial dies. Back to and me. And Asmodeus gets to be a god. Is, so it's not it's Alile, not Belile. It's E L I L. He's a good oh, deity. I was hoping it was A because I was going to make a joke about it being the prototype of Belile. No, it's okay, super not. This uh, Alile or Alil, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. It doesn't matter. No one cares about this god, anyways. He's just some <laughs> random good god who did something 
Yeah, here's here's a strange thing that happened with a magic god. This is like comic book retconning. Yeah, at its worst. it's so, God. Freon Realms frustrates me <laughs> <They're> <laughs> because like, it was like, never mind, cool. never mind. Azuth was awesome. Yeah, and okay. it was even more awesome that he died because he was awesome. Right, and like the fact that Asimo did it, it just was really cool and compelling to me. But no, you had to retcon it because people like Azuth, so we're gonna we're gonna have our cake, we're gonna eat it too. Here's Azuth. Asimo's still a god, and no one cares about Elisle. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so as a god, Asmodeus has dominion over tyranny, knowledge, and torment. Those are his domains. Nice. He rules them with an iron fist. Cool. <laughs> iron fist in it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Any questions about like Asmodeus divinity or anything like that before we move on? No, I'm more like about the day-to-day right now. What's the day-to-day <laughs> like for Asmo? I mean, he... I mean, he, once a day he's going to make a pit fiend. He... <laughs> sure. He rules... We're going to get into that when we get into like his his power set. Okay. Because dude's got a long list of power sets, but he rules Beator completely. Um, he can like transform entire uh, layers at his will. Right. Okay. He, yeah. He's he's nigh impossible to defeat on his home turf. Right. So is he doing stuff like through the power of being Asmo or is it the Ruby Rod that's like kind of he channels his energy through? Uh, or, like, he does that? stuff through the power of being Asmo. The Ruby Rod is more about like hand-to-hand combat. Don't fuck with him. Oh, so it just hurts if you get hit with it a lot. There's a lot to the Ruby Rod. It's got okay. a whole list of fucking powers. It's, it's just a long skinny infinity gauntlet. It's a legendary artifact with like it's like 17 magic items fused into one basically it's like the power pole from dragon ball sure no it's not <laughs> no it's not at all <laughs> not even slow okay not even close so let's talk a little bit about his cults because asmodeus's cult is bigger than all the other archduke's cults combined on top of it all the cults that are uh dedicated to the other archdukes are also by proxy dedicated asmodeus oh, that tracks so, so that tracks with bit, me he cheats a little bit but also like it's just yeah He's Asmo. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Jinx. Um, yes. His, uh, his cult is so prolific that it said it has infiltrated all levels of society. Period. End of story. His his path and dogma leads to power and influence, so his clerics tend to be people with powerful magnetism and, you know, like... Ambition. Really ambition. They're natural leader, leaders. These are the type of people that serve him, and these are the type of people to rise to high places in society it's like a dangerous situation all around oh yeah absolutely this dude's a threat to the cosmos without a doubt <laughs> cool um his cult has is known for incredibly strict rules incredibly harsh punishments and incredibly tempting rewards and that's kind of the whole lawful thing it's like look you do good you're gonna get great stuff but don't fuck up because i'll kill you like it's <laughs> don't fuck up i'll kill you yeah all right so yeah, okay their dogma is essentially seek power over others um Always give an eye for an eye, exploit any kindness, and show no compassion for the weak. So, uh, sociopath. Yeah. Win forever. Yeah, be, be a sociopath is essentially what this <laughs> cool. is. Yeah. Um, they use phrases like promoting personal excellence and independence. Um, and when harming others, they consider it like providing motivation to succeed. Yes. Very corporate. Very yeah. against soulless. Black and white contractual um, obligations. Mm-hmm. But their most famous phrase is... At will employment. No. Oh. Their most famous... <laughs> <laughs> the most famous phrase is no gods, no masters, Ooh. because he's basically saying, why serve the other gods? What, what do they give you? They don't give you anything. I give you the ability to be free and to do what you will. Just sign here. Yeah, just sign here. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, God, no gods, no what? No gods, no masters. No gods, no masters. Because you are the god. You are the master. Part of the, the ship. Self-worship. Also part of the ship, part of the crew. Yes, very much so. But the, he leaves that part. That's the fine print. That's the fine print, <laughs> yeah. So the <laughs> rituals and practices are deeply secretive, which is an easy way of saying we don't want to write anything. 
<laughs> so make it up. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. It's probably better. That freedom like that. is always like, I like the like how liberal they allow the player to be in some, some instances. I'm okay with that it's, one. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's better. It's just better. There's to a do lot it of detail way. here as it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, okay, let's talk about where he lives. So he lives in the lowest level of Vator. It's oh. called Nessus. So this is like an appendix, uh, an appendage to our... Uh, to our, to nine, our nine hells, hells episode. episode. Yeah, ne- so, we're continuing now. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will, that's Brian. Wait, hold on. No, <laughs> okay. we're good. Let's okay. just keep going. All so, right. Nessus, the lowest layer of Beator, is a blasted wasteland crisscrossed with deep fissures. Uh, these fissures are incredibly deep. Uh, they're dark pits, a lot of them without bottoms, or some of them without bottoms. Okay, it's, cool. It's unclear. They're unfathomably deep. Okay, nice. By design, Nessus is devoid of activity. This is because Asmodeus values his secrecy and his privacy very highly. He doesn't trust fucking anybody. Basically, only the absolute necessary staff exist on this plane. Nice. <laughs> which is mostly him, his most trusted service uh, servants in his like little citadel. You could call it a skeleton crew. Yeah, yeah sure. Good. That. <laughs> um, so yeah, only his most trusted vassals and archdukes even know the way to his lair. His, his citadel is called Malshim, and it exists in the deepest fissure of nessus okay i don't know if it's floating or if it's like embedded into the wall but it's just this gigantic fortress so now calling it the deepest fissure implies that it's bottomless bottom no 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 yeah yeah. this is is, it is a bottomless fissure so is it the only bottomless fissure how is it the deepest I guess I guess you could say it's the only bottom. It has less bottom than all the other bottomless pits. <laughs> it, the other ones might have bottoms, but we know this one doesn't. This one definitely not. <laughs> this one falls away into the nothing. If you look really far, I dropped that flashlight 500 years ago. It's still falling. Right. Okay, cool. Okay. It ran out of battery. You yeah, can't so, see it. Um, and the reason the Archdukes kind of know the way there is because Asmodeus, like once every few centuries, calls all the Archdukes to attend him. Okay. He even frees Levistus from like the ice and whatnot. Oh yeah, come. like everyone comes. They have to. That's like the only time Dis leaves this tower and all that other. Shit. Right. Check out our Nine Hells episode for all that info. It gives everybody a lot of anxiety. Yeah, it does. I'm sure <laughs> it's got to be stressful. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, um, that's where he lives. I don't know. Is is there anything else you want to know? So it's just a bunch of fissures. It's is just it? a wasteland. It's a barren yeah, wasteland. Pictured like a bunch of fissures. Mars, but not red. Like yeah. Dark blue, icy blue instead. I don't know. No, it's red. It's red. Oh, yeah, it's like it's flaming like a, hell. Yeah, it's kinda. like yeah, it's like Mars. Oh, so, so it's like Mars. Yeah, you're picturing it right with fissures. Nice. Well, Mars has fissures. Okay, so it's like Mars, but just with more bottomless stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. <laughs> so is there like a castle down there? You said. Yeah, it's giant citadel called Malshim. Okay, that would be really cool. Yeah, I bet it looks like um that one in Frozen, that's just like a bunch of fractals or whatever. Just like detached to the side of this cliff or whatever. Yeah, sure, Brad. Nice. So we'll go with that. Just pictured that. So let's talk about his power sets, please. So he's not statted out, and I don't think he ever will be because if it has stats, you can kill it, and you shouldn't be able to kill him. So, oh, okay. I mean, if you were to stat him out, his CR better be like forty-two. Forty-two is yeah. Is yeah high. I mean, it ought to be like he's the Archduke of all hell. Like, yeah. I mean, let's talk about let's talk about like the things that we know he has as power. So okay. he constantly emits this powerful aura of submission that literally forces anyone without extremely powerful will to immediately grovel and ask to obey. Oh, okay, like, cool. He that's just how he walks around. That's how he wakes up in the morning. To <laughs> <laughs> some groveling. Yeah, indeed. Nice. Um, he has the power to alter. We we said this already, but he has the power to alter any and all layers of the uh, of Beator to whatever he pleases. Cool. And he does this. We talk about this a little bit in the Nine Hells. He can curse and transform the Archdukes at will. He may not be able to just outright kill them, although with um, 
God, what's her name? What was her name? Malagar, the, the Nihak, he did outright kill her. Okay. But she kind of Technically not a... Yeah, she wasn't quite an Archduke anyway. Right. Like, she was just made an Archduke. She's kind of killable. Okay. Exactly. So, but he has, uh, he has like, uh, like, he can manipulate he like everything in this realm. Impotent, right? Like not impotent. He's almost om- omnipotent, omnipotent. Yeah. In while he's in Beator. Yeah, okay. You know what I meant. That's 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 what I meant. So uh, so yeah, he's he can work almost any spell of magic at will while he's while he's in Beator. Wow, cool. Power word kill done done done. He could just Avada Kedavra for days. <laughs> Finger guns. Yeah, Avada Kedavra style. <laughs> he could. He wouldn't, but he could. He could. He could. Um, so yeah. So he's got that. Let's talk about his ruby rod. So his ruby rod gives him access to like really powerful offensive and defensive spells that he wouldn't normally know. Okay. So it's just it boosts his magic potential through the roof. It also gives him an aura of self healing and an aura of fear. So nice. He's causing fear. He's causing submission, and he's self healing. Nice. All at the same cool. time, all the time. I mean, maybe does he always need heals because he's always wounded? Um, so those wounds are like not healable via spells. It's he, like when you scoop uh, somebody's uh, like ma- uh, max HP off the top. Like you now you have 10 less max HP. Yeah. Like that happened to him a long time ago. Very much so. Okay. He's actually he's been siphoning mortal souls and their their power to heal himself. Oh, OK, time. cool. His plan is to heal himself completely and then start making real big power moves. Nice. It probably just takes a lot of souls to yeah, I mean, close those wounds. Exactly. OK, so. um. Oh, yeah. Okay. So his ruby rod also gives him like various elemental attacks, like necrotic and ice, basically whatever he chooses. He can just fucking blast you. Sweet. Um, on top of it, a mere touch of the ruby rod on your skin can just cause opening grievous wounds. Mm. And he can just slam with this motherfucker as well. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, he's very powerful. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got that across. So if you were going to... He's gonna, OP by design. If you were going to uh, set up a, like, um, like a, let's say you there's a cut scene in your game and you're like, somebody's going to fight Asmo mm-hmm. and you want it to be close. Mm-hmm. Who, are you, who are you picking? What do you mean? Who are you picking to fight Asmo to like, make it close from like, amongst other like beings of power? Or yeah. Like, like your players are going to watch something go down, you know, like um, who are you picking to fight Asmo to make it a close fight? Not necessarily win, maybe win. That's tough. If it's on Asmo's home turf, I just don't think it's going to happen. Like, okay, that's usually how. Have you seen those um, Discover Channel? Like, this is what would happen if a bear met a crocodile. Right, right. <laughs> you let's, know, it's let's like do that. Well, where are they? Where are they? Yeah, where are they? <laughs> so let's just okay. So let's let's put them in. Uh, what's the uh, final destination? Final from destination. Smash Brothers. Let's put them in final destination. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, any of your like really powerful greater deities is gonna have a pretty good shot. Bahamut. I mean, Bahamut. He's a minor deity. Uh, I think he has a pretty good shot because that's about the power level that Asmo is at. Um. Outside of Beator. Minor, okay, cool. minor deity plus Archduke. So maybe nice. he, he'd probably win in that fight. But if you put him up against a greater deity, he'd probably lose. Or, or like uh, Bahamut and all the, uh, his seven gold dragon posse or whatever. Yeah. I think they'd probably take yeah. him pretty easily. There we go. Mm-hmm. I would say Bahamut plus his his posse, even fight. Okay, that's fair. Because I, I would say Asmodeus is a minor deity, and then on top of it, he has a ruby rod and the Archduke powers. Yeah, because he okay, had powers sure. before deity. Yeah, he's like self healing. Bahamut okay. is a deity, and he's a deity of dragons. I'm sure he has his own magic items and shit too. Plus eight uh, legendary fucking gold dragons. I would say that's a pretty even fight uh, okay. in a final destination situation. Yeah, right. Okay, <laughs> fair. So, it, like, reset the stage to was it 
Uh, Beator? Beator, and it's over. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Done. Just, just like so. In Beator, like, who are you? Even, even without him calling all his host of devils and archdukes, even if it's just him, like he could transform the terrain at will. He can cast cast endless magic at will. Like, yeah, he's just gonna be nigh unstoppable. Okay. I mean, so nobody. So yeah, no, and not on his home turf. Just no way. Okay. Sweet. It's, yeah. It's just I like, mean, that's pretty. If you get through all of the layers of the nine hells, and you're trying to take that area it's not going to go well no it's just not because the land is like constantly doing that thing from inception or or dr strange i guess depending on what you're watching where the buildings are just like rolling over the the bad guys the thing is like as a god and as like the supreme ruler of the nine hells like the 13 foot tall humanoid you're looking at is honestly probably just a representation like he very likely permeates the entire plane of existence like he is beator fair okay you know what yeah I mean? yeah. Like, yeah he's just i get what you mean he's a god he's not contained to this body <laughs> okay so yeah there it is so real quick do you think that yeah. i i think personally that in uh, like doctor strange is the sequel to inception very loosely okay i just want to throw what, that what? out there <laughs> what does that have to do with it let's get back to dungeons and dragons well it's not because i think i'm done i don't know oh, do you got any more questions about those motives? man i've been saying some whack shit at the end of the episodes and not that's knowing a, it's the end of the episodes yeah. <laughs> that's your sign off <laughs> um yeah i mean that's that's pretty much all i got in asmo i i hope i painted a pretty clear picture who's his best friend his daughter no wait does he have there a daughter? Are more like rivals in oh no that's the next the next one down has the daughter no Remember um, the next the next guy down is like the crazy one. Oh yeah, uh, Mephistopheles. Yeah, that yeah. guy. So Mephistopheles, uh, they're not best friends, but they have like almost like a Vegeta Goku relationship. Yeah, where it's totally. Like um, no one could kill you but me. That's Mephistopheles speaking, <laughs> right? Except for I don't know the fuck he's talking about. There's no fucking way he could take on Asmo. Yeah. Like yeah, he's the second most powerful, but that's like comparing like I don't know a red giant to a regular yellow sun in like magnitude you know what i mean totally like, i get yeah, you. yeah sure you're also a fucking star but this one's a thousand times bigger than you superstar yeah so okay there it is well then uh, no i don't have any questions all this right was, this comp- it was uh it was a good episode i think I really- <laughs> okay. we're gonna call it a game <laughs> i had fun we're gonna talk to you guys later <laughs> bye, bye. Haters like, I hate when haters are like. (laughs) (laughs) This one's for the haters. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Haters is how you measure your growth. (laughs) Then we be growing. (laughs) (laughs) The dungeon cast, we be growing. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.